National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. Chair of Design Tasmania and I'm based here in Hobart, although Launceston is the hub of Design Tasmania. We're not necessarily an advocacy organisation as such, Design Tasmania, and we're not a membership-based organisation either, but our vision is to, um, or is that design makes a difference to individuals, communities and enterprises, um, and really our mission is to promote um, the reputation and profile of Tasmanian design and designers nationally and internationally. So we do that through a number of different avenues. Um, we have an exhibition facility in Launceston um, and also a retail hub there too, um, which means that we have the capacity to, to show new work, um, to tour exhibitions, bring exhibitions in, um, and also develop what we have very unique to Design Tasmania is the wood design collection, or Tasmanian wood design collection. So that's over 70 pieces that's been acquired over more than 25 years. Um, so it's, yeah, it's fairly comprehensive, I guess, across exhibition, collection and retail. Tasmania has been leading in design for a long time, so I wouldn't say that necessarily it's a new thing. Um, there's been some ebbs and flows, I think, with all trajectories um, and in all areas, you know, not just the creative um, arts and craft design sectors, but all sectors that happens, it's natural attrition and growth. So um, I moved to Tasmania more than 20 years ago to study design because at the time it was one of the best um, art schools in Australia to offer a design course. Um, and then I stayed and continued on and completed a PhD um, at the University of Tasmania here. And at that time, it was the foremost location, apart from possibly Canberra, to be studying um, in this discipline. So um, what's, I guess, a little bit concerning now is that we're seeing um, a flow in the opposite direction with courses and educational attainments changing um, and the disciplines that are being offered um, yeah, declining, I guess, in terms of craft and design practice. I think it's been unique for me personally because I did study design in what is a fine art school. So I've never really um, sort of, I guess, differentiated between a craft, a design and a fine art practice. I have a PhD in fine arts, yet I'm a designer. So I think it's really critical because more and more we're collaborating, it's cross-disciplinary practice. Um, so I think one of the things that categorises design here, because we don't have, we do have some industry for manufacture of product, um, and that's starting to grow a little bit, but um, it seems to have been, um, the size and the scale of an industry here has meant that practice is very one-off um, and customised rather than mass-produced. Um, so that's probably an identifying factor about design in Tasmania. And our living treasures here, you know, your Lola Greenos, your Kevin Perkins, 
Um, there's Les Blakebra, he's moved, moved away mostly now, but the people who established their practices here were living here because the access to materials um, was a core part of their practice. So the fine timbers, special, special timbers, the mariner shells for people like Lola, um, it's a big part of yeah, what draws them and keeps them here. The culture of design and how it's developing here, um, I think it's an ongoing um, process. I can't say that necessarily there's been a major shift in the last 10 years, but what we are doing, and I guess in relationship to place, um, we're capitalising on that significantly. So in the early 2000s, I started a series of um, design retreats and camps in remote areas in Tasmania, and that lasted for about six years. Um, that then no longer happened, and we're revitalising that at the moment because we can see that's a core attribute and a point of difference for Tasmania, that we have access to remote places much more readily and that the acknowledgement that they are core to um, practice and thinking um, and really I think by bringing people into contact with these very raw, remote, sometimes wilderness, sometimes not areas, we can activate much more intense conversation and dialogue um, which, you know, inspires new work. Brody Neal was a great example of that recently. He's a Tasmanian um, designer. He went here to the Tasmanian um, art school. Um, we studied together. He now has an international career based in London and represented Australia at the London Biennale, um, first design Biennale last year. And that was work that was conceived at Bruni Island at our design camp last year which was a partnership with the NGV. So I think that's also a really important part is how we look to the landscape in Australia and other organisations. We're not reinventing the wheel, but collaborating and partnering um, to create some inspiring new programs and directions. position of design within the visual arts craft um, sectors is critical. Um, as I previously said, having come from um, training within an art school, I've never seen a clear differentiation between these boundaries. Um, in other countries there are. I mean, I've just come back from South Korea where craft is seen as very much a particular style of practice, a very traditional um, craft style of practice. but. Um, I don't see it like that and, um, you know, some people do and some people don't. There's definitely um, an issue, I think, in regard to how government agencies view design within a fine art or an art remit. Um, and, you know, it's very difficult for, for designers who want to create new work and be risky in much the same way that visual artists or other artists want to take risks to get the support and the funding required to do that because there's a prejudice that the work is commercially focused. So there's no difference, in my opinion, towards um, you know, an individual trying to take a risk and do something new um, in any, any particular practice. Why do these differentiations persist? I think we should ask that 
of anything? Why, do we, why are we prejudiced <laughs> against anything? Why do we like categories? Why do we put people in a particular sexual orientation or you know, gender orientation or whatever it might be? Um, I think we like to categorise things because it makes bureaucracy much easier to be able to tick a box. I just think we have to um, work harder to be um, open-minded and inclusive and it's challenge ourselves every day to reconsider why we're doing. Um, talking recently about women in design program in um, that we run as a core part of our program at Design Taz. We've run it consecutively three years in a row now. Um, it's very popular, it sells out, it's very intimate. Um, we only have women speakers and contributors, but it's open to anyone. Do men come? No. Why? Because they see women in design. They think that they're excluded from it. Um, we do that because it's a male-dominated sector and it's time that women felt confident to share and talk about their practices in a safe environment and able to do that. So it's a nurturing type thing. People come away transformed and reinvigorated and inspired and connected in different ways nationally, you know, with other um, people practising. And you have to keep pushing. And when the men say, you're prejudicing against men, you have to say, are you serious? Are you actually serious? Yeah. That's how you ch create change. The design sector, I think, um, yeah, male-dominated, um, as we said, probably white, as you say, but... Um, I think um, you know we have to do a lot to again work at breaking down those barriers, and it's just cultural change. And I think it's exciting, it's difficult and challenging, and you know you get pushback from different sectors, but um, everyone is, I think, looking at the same outcome, which is greater inclusivity and better work. And we wouldn't be doing any of this if we weren't interested in creating better work. policy in regard to arts and creativity full stop in this country and it needs to start with government leadership on increasing people's understanding, general public understanding of what um, the role of um, arts and creativity is and increasing um, the vocabulary for it, so starting early years education um, right through so that we can change the value that people attribute to arts and creativity full stop. So do I think there needs to be policy change for design? Well, of course, but that's just within the umbrella of all of the art, other arts and um, cultural activity too, not just creative activity, but cultural activity in this country. Am I optimistic about change? Um, I'm, I'm a generally a pretty optimistic person, but I'm also pretty cynical about things because you know, we're working our whole lives to create change and it's slow. But I'm seeing it, you know, like, I'm seeing it. I think that an organisation like Design Tasmania, for instance, turned 40 last year. We're still going. There's growth. Actually, I'm interested, as our founder, Gary Cleveland, is in the differentiation um, between progress and growth. Um, actually, I would say that I'm much more interested in progress rather than growth, necessarily. Do I think we need more staff? Do I think we need more resources? Yes, that'd be really nice, but I'm more interested in how we progress as an organisation in terms of our ideas, our community, our audience, um, how we're achieving what we're doing, um, how we're building more love for design, 
um, in Tasmania and nationally. Design and social change are inextricably linked, I think. Um, our CEO, Karina Clark, um, she's an amazing thinker and doer. Our last woman in design was um, centred around these principles of design and social change. So, um, and of course, being women in design, I think there's a really interesting question about whether women are more interested in these topics too, um, as a sort of cultural um, question. So, um, yeah, design um, for social change, I think, you know, we have to ask ourselves every day about why we do something. People do things for different motivations. Um, I know it's not a popular term, arts for art's sake, but I also believe in that. Um, I think we should have the freedom and capacity to create what we want because we have an innate drive or passion to do so without having to articulate the need for something. What's wrong with the desire and the want as being a need. I'm really interested in these sort of um, classifications too. But um, yeah, social change. If you want to have a real purpose in life, then you want to create a better community around you. I've always said to people that my, my role in creating, um, or sorry, contributing to arts and design um, thinking and practices and organisations in my voluntary capacities is because I'm innately selfish. <laughs> you know, I want to improve the place which I live in. And if I can contribute to that in a pro bono way through time and money, then I'll do that. Um, so, yes, I think social change is, is important if we want to be social beings and proactive in the community. inspired by other organisations in Australia. Um, I think the Australian Design Centre in Sydney are doing great work with the recent Craft Week, uh, Month Week. And, um, you know, the Jam Factory continue to inspire because they offer real training and practical um, um, experiences for designers. Um, we had an exhibition at Design Tasmania early this year, which um, was very interesting because it was really outside um, outside the box of what we would normally do. We took the whole wood design collection out, which was a pretty unpopular thing to do because it's a reason for visiting. It was the first time it's ever happened that the wood design collection went, <laughs> went AWOL. Um, it was actually in another beautiful location at Clarendon Vale, a historic um, trust building, which looked amazing as well. But we invited um, Keisha Cachelet, David Walsh's wife, to have a solo exhibition. And um, we thought that that would be you know, fairly contained. We had an idea. She curates and commissions a lot of um, craftspeople and designers to create um, you know, cutlery and plates and tables and environments, really immersive environments for some quite spectacular events at Mona, which, of course, only a very small percentage of people get to see. So I wanted to um, sort of reveal that to a bigger audience to showcase her because, you know, often she's um, not recognised for her creative artistic capabilities and, and reputation, which is international as well. So um, we invited Kisha and she's um, an incredibly expansive thinker. Um, 
remarkably expansive thinker. So what we thought would happen was shot out of the water within about 30 seconds and she had conceived this whole other exhibition which included the fabrication of a whole outdoor kitchen which was um, designed and made with her input with Pete Matilla, a blacksmith here who's incredibly skilled, incredible maker. Um, and there was a series of lunches that were curated. Okay, so it just expanded, expand, 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 on and on. But then it was a partnership with the local high school, Newstead High School, which have a lot of students at risk. Um, there was a big picture school initiative as well. Um, TAFE Tasmania came on board. So suddenly, this little exhibition of Keisha's commissioned things became an immersive environment um, that was participatory. And so every Friday they hosted lunches, which were a performance. The students wore costumes. They designed their own performance. Um, the chefs from Mona came to Launceston and worked with um, the Drysdale TAFE students. Um, there was an exhibition inside which was completely overtook the gallery spaces. All five gallery spaces had one long table weaving within them, um, coloured salt and coloured ceramics and everything. You know, incredible, a really beautiful um, project. But the outcomes were that. I mean, it was visually beautiful, but the outcomes were unanticipated in the way that it changed some of those people's lives. There were transformational experiences of young people um, dressing up, performing, living this immersive um, environment, living and breathing it, I guess. And Keisha's motto is life is art. It's her foundation name. And that was embodied in that exhibition. So um, that then um, inspired us as an entity, Design Tasmania, to carry forward some of those um, uh, elements into our everyday thinking too because they were so engaged by and taken up by the community up in Launceston and further afield in Tasmania. So um, we recently received a um, donation from the Claudio Corso Foundation to commission our own kitchen which Keisha is going to work with us on um, on designing as well so one that we can keep um, up there. So the outcomes of those sort of things are fabulous so that's going to improve our capacity to reach the community because we can continue having the food and, and drink experiences, which I think um, everyone would agree become core to our ability to connect with others, to break bread, so to speak, you know, to drink the wine and, and to share um, in that environment. So I've been really inspired by that this year and really proud to have been, um, you know, in, within this organisation at this time that these sort of critical changes are happening. But, you know, that's just one, and we were very lucky because Mona um, presented and supported that. There's no way as a small entity we could have done that on our own. Um, but every day um, there are interesting exhibitions by Tasmanian designers, um, and we tour shows from interstate as well. So, yeah, lots of very interesting things happening. At Design Tasmania, we're really interested in creating um, professional opportunities for Tasmanian um, designers and enhancing their ability to make a livelihood from their practice. Um, we don't necessarily say uh, you have to be a product designer or you know it's about industry per se, it's about a multitude of different opportunities um, for people to make a living. 
The shop um, retail space is integral to that, so the commissioning of new product, um, the, the selling of you know, a range of things, putting that alongside national and international wares um, is important. Commissioning new pieces for the Tasmanian wood design collection, um, you know, which is purchasing of people's work, which is um, very important. But more than that, you know, it's important to pay people. We talk about this all the time, but at the same time, it's also important to promote people in the right way to the right audience and to grow their market. So we're interested in that nationally and internationally. Um, in the past, there have been international tours of the wood design collection. Um, and presentation of it in different modalities that are outside a gallery that might be in corporate foyers or what have you. So just putting it, putting it in places where people are going to see it and engage with um, the work. Um, and then bringing curators down and other thinkers and doers and writers, um, photographers. Um, Design Island used to bring um, down journalists from interstate who write, freelance journalists who would write and drip stories all year long in, in mainstream media outlets just from one week or one weekend in Tasmania. So you have to think about those relationships, where they exist and how we can promote Tasmanian design. Um, yeah, and so that's you know core to what we do. Head to our website visualarts.net.au for more information on Nava's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and